Aloha. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm with Rafael Barlow, who is the director of scouting here at NBA Big Board, as well as getting ready to take over as the owner of NBA Big Board, both the podcast and the website. We are going to talk Rookie of the Year. We have started a bit of a Twitter firestorm the last couple of days on who should be Rookie of the Year. We're going to talk about Scotty Barnes, Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, lots more, as well as a Final Four preview. Here we go. Love that music. Love that sound. Gonna miss that. Gonna miss uh, the, the, the hearing that theme song uh, to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it, it gets me pumped up. Um, so you know, I next week is gonna be my last uh, podcast uh, with Raphael, and we're gonna kind of do a retrospective and kind of go back and, and and think about a lot of sort of highlights uh, from the draft. But I wanna. I want to do two things uh, in, in this podcast with Raphael um, before he takes over full time. And he's got some really great plans. And we'll talk about those next week for the podcast and, and, and what's coming down. One is we were both together covering last year's draft. We both were in the studios there in, in, in Dallas uh, for Locked On. And it's, it's essentially the year's over. Um, we, we know how these rookies have played um, this year, at least in the regular season. And I, I think it's time to make our predictions for rookie of the year and go a little bit deeper in this class as well as it's a big weekend with the final four coming up you got duke north carolina which is which is huge uh not only from a basketball perspective but some you know interesting draft prospects there duke has a ton and then you know kansas and villanova on the other side not as many draft prospects on that that side of the bracket but kansas certainly has some really interesting prospects as well so we'll 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 break all of that down today but i want to start Raphael, with uh, my Twitter followers are killing each other right now. Luckily, they're not killing me uh, so much. They're 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 killing each other right now. In what's become a really tight three-way race between Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and Scotty Barnes. Depending on what you like, uh, depending on what you value in the NBA, I think there's a legitimate case to be made for all three of these guys um, as the rookie of the year and just going forward, a legitimate case for all three of them of who is long-term going to be the best player of the year. So I'm going to put you on the spot right at the start of the podcast. Uh, and my first question to you is who, this is the easier one, by the way, who is, who would be your vote for rookie of the year? Oh man. You know what? It, it's one of those things where I came into the podcast with one person, then it switched Right when you started recording, and uh, man, I don't want to take the easy way out, but I'm going to go with the what was the 1994 split, and I'm going to go with Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes splitting Rookie of the Year. Okay, you're going to. No, I'm, I'm taking the, the easy word. way out. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> I, I think it's possible. I, I mean, I, you know, I don't have a, the same pulse that I used to of the writers to know, you know, where they're ultimately going to come down on this, you know, particular issue. I know Evan Mobley has been probably in the lead for most of this year, and uh, he had an ankle injury the other night, and 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 hasn't had the big post All Star bump that you've seen from both Cade and, and Scotty. Um, so it'll be interesting. 
or, or Jalen Green, actually. We got to talk about that. And, and we're going to talk about Bones Highland, by the way, as well, because uh, his numbers are uh, incredible. Uh, if you look at his uh, post All-Star 36 numbers as well. Um, so you say Scotty and Evan. That's a little bit. I'm gonna. Uh, so I'm gonna ask you this next question because then I'm gonna get you to talk about one of these guys long term. You know, ten years from now, who's the best player in this draft class? I'm still gonna go with Kate. I'm still going with with Kate. Okay. So, okay. So Kate doesn't deserve Rookie of the Year, and we can talk about why. Let's start with that. Why? Why didn't you vote for Cade then for Rookie of the Year? Because Detroit fans are convinced. Um, because his scoring output and his counting stats are the highest of all of the rookies that he should be rookie of the year. Why didn't you go that direction? Well, I'm, I'm going to go with winning. I think, and I mean, you're kind of seeing it with Jalen Green in a sense, you know, like after All-Star break, and I know Cade was injured at the beginning of the year and kind of had a slow start, but after All-Star break, then once you get to about March and then some years that used to carry into April, you start seeing rookies just kind of put up these huge numbers in a sense. And sometimes it's they're actually you know, having in-season improvement. And then some cases, I mean, I, I think like Tyreek Evans in a sense, the team is like, we want you to win Rookie of the Year. Go and get these crazy numbers, and you're going to help us get a better draft pick. And I'm basing my decision off of Barnes and Mobley, are on winning teams, and they may not have because their, their teams are fighting for a playoff position. So they're not going to have the luxury to just go put up crazy stats for a rookie of the year push. It's it's interesting because here's some of, some of what our readers on NBABigBoard.com, our newsletter, where we just had an article about this, and and some of our readers have chimed in. One pro Cade argument that they make, so I want to I want to take it the other way because this is sort of a chicken and the egg argument, is because Cade and Jalen are on bad teams per se, and they have to shoulder the load themselves in ways that Scotty and Evan Mobley are part of a team where they're sharing the load with other prospects. That allows defenses to key in on those guys. They have to carry more weight. Their efficiency dips. Uh, in, in part because of, of what they're asked to do every night. And so it's not because I, I think actually the, the strongest argument against Cade is that you look at his efficiency numbers at post all-star break, Cade is averaging 21.3 points a game, 6.5 rebounds a game, 6.7 assists a game. Those counting stats, those are exceptional. Um, they, they really beat everybody else. But he's shooting 45% from the field and only 28% um, from three and averaging nearly four turnovers uh, a game. Look at Scotty Barnes's numbers post-All-Star break. They're similar, 18.1 points, 8.1 rebounds, 3.8 assists, but he's shooting 54% um, from the field, nearly 10% uh, 10 percentage points higher from the field, much more efficiency than than, than, uh, Cade. But the you know eighteen points to twenty one points. I mean that's that's a difference of you know three points a game. But that's not a huge difference. And actually, Scotty shot better from three than K does, though K does it at a, at, a, at a higher volume. And and so I'm 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 interested in what your thought is there about the fact that you can give 
Jalen Green and Cade especially some slack because they don't have the talent around them. They have to carry thing every every night. That it forces them into bad shots. Um, their assist numbers are deflated in part because the other their other teammates can't finish. Um, and Scotty and and Evan Mobley get protected by you know playing with. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100% with both arguments. And I think even with K, the efficiency is going to be lower because he's the one that's taking the end of the shot clock bombs. He's taking the contested threes with four seconds left on the shot clock. And again, the turnovers, which, you know, aren't too surprising because he had a negative assist to turnover ratio in college anyway. I'm just going to reward winning in, in, in this case. And I think at the beginning of the season, if you told me the Cleveland Cavaliers were going to be a playoff team, I would have said there's no way. Now, you can say Darius Garland and the resurgence of Kevin Love and, and Jared Allen are the main reasons. But I think also if you were to poll most GMs and say who is the – if you could take any player off that Cavaliers roster, who would you take? And they would say Mobley. So the, I think they'd even say it. Interestingly, they might even say it right now. I mean, there, there definitely will be an argument for Darius Garland right now, like if you were going into a playoff series right now. But Evan Mobley's defense is elite. And I know some, some again, some readers, some of our Twitter followers are frustrated that we keep talking about defense here. But Evan Mobley's defense has been elite. If you look at 538's Raptor, um, he's the seventh best defender in the NBA. Uh, not not among rookies in the NBA and and LeBron, uh, another basketball reference, uh, all in one statistic, um, has him in the top five. Uh, and and so Evan Mobley's not just like a good defender for a rookie. He's he could make an all defensive team um, a, a, as a rookie. And so I, I think that's a that's a big yeah, loss. It's just not as sexy in a sense, you know. I mean, you're not going to get a bunch of crazy highlight real defensive possessions and let's be honest a lot of times that plays a factor in people's decisions in voting it's not like the cavaliers are on tv every night so you're you're going to turn on espn or on youtube and you're going to see more offensive highlights and, and dunks so but i'm just going to reward winning and i mean toronto we have two teams that per, that picked in the top five that are in the playoffs how often does that happen <laughs> if cade was top 10 and something all NBA scoring assists, whatever, you know, then I think you could make an apples to apples argument. Okay. Well, he's, you know, top 10, but Cade's not top 10 in anything. He's not top 10 in scoring or anything else where, where Mobley is. I'm a Barnes guy. Uh, I put Barnes number one on my board. I didn't expect to David Thorpe and I both kind of fell in love with Scotty Barnes before the draft. I think that's sort of well-documented, but I was on record, and I think David Thorpe was on record as well, is that that you know this is going to be a work in progress. I did not expect in any way that I would be saying the words that Scotty Barnes, post-All-Star break, is averaging 18-8-4 and four, uh, a game on pretty high efficiency from the field. Like that, that wouldn't have occurred to me after what he did at Florida State um, his freshman year. I thought this was going to be two or three years out. Scotty Barnes has a chance to be the best player in this draft. And now one year in, I you know, I, I hear comparisons from NBA teams like their his ceiling to players like 
Kawhi Leonard uh, to like Giannis Antetokounmpo, a guy who is who is so versatile that they're going to get it done on both ends of the floor. They don't have to be elite three point shooters. Definitely the knock against Scotty right now is that um, he's still a subpar um, three point shooter, but he does everything and he can do everything. And the Raptors have actually had some significant injuries to Fred Van Vliet, um, and, you know, and other other players. And Scotty's kind of held them together. Uh, on this team and and the playoff push is is still there so even when you want to say well he he's playing with all-stars and you know Fred Van Vliet, you know they, they've the Raptors have had their fair share of injuries uh, and, and Scotty Barnes has been I think the glue that sort of held this held this guy together and so for me Barnes gets the edge because he's a plus defensively and offensively um, the versatility that's there the impact that he has on winning um, on this team to me he's the most complete player while I can argue Evan Mobley is a better defender and and Cade Cunningham is a better offensive player um, than either of those two players right now, to me Scotty's the most complete. Um, I think he's had the biggest impact on winning, frankly, even more than Evan Mobley. Um, in part because I, I think Evan Mobley does have more a better surrounding cast uh, than Scotty Barnes does on this uh, on this. I team. think that's even debatable. I mean, Siakam has been he's been on a tear. He's a former All Star. I mean, Van Vliet is good. I mean, they have a championship coach. So it's that's why it was tough for me to to figure out Mm. which one deserves. So I I took the easy way out and gave it a split. But what's even funnier is, and I was wrong about Scotty Barnes. I did not see this aggression on the offensive end. I thought he was going to be passive I thought he was going to be good but I was if I were to guess what his numbers would have been I would have said oh he's going to average about eight or nine points per game he's going to average maybe four rebounds four assists he's going to be a plus defender but I didn't see 18 and I don't think anybody did I I didn't either I don't think anybody did and and Masai was kind of criticized for not taking Jalen Suggs on draft day and so you know, here we are, and Scotty Barnes could very well win Rookie of the Year. You said you said you think long term though it's going to be Cade. Um, and again, I, th- I think for our listeners, we're not hating on any three of these guys. Like all three of these guys in a normal Rookie of the Year cycle, I I think would be an easy choice to be Rookie of the Year. We have a deep draft class. Uh, the twenty twenty one draft class is deep. I think Franz Wagner could be a legitimate rookie of the year candidate uh, in another Giddy. year uh, as Josh well Giddy frankly too. at Josh Giddy perhaps he may not even be 54 top games six. you know he may be the sixth best rookie yeah. in this class uh, so we're we're talking about a deep class so nobody get offended here i think we we think the ceiling for Scotty Barnes Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham is is all super high these are going to be perennial all-stars uh, in the NBA someday. You think at the end of the day it's going to be Cade, though. Uh, 10 years from now, we're going to look back and say, Cade, why? I, mean, I just think at the end of the day, once he gets better teammates, I think the the assist numbers will be better and the turnovers will cut down. I think he is the guy that will be your end-of-the-shot clock scorer, your, your go-to guy. I mean, he's already averaging – I mean, I know it's the second half of the season – but he's averaging 20 now. I mean, let's say he makes the jump into three years, it's 25. Is he going to put up 25, 7 and 7, 25, 8 and 8? And those numbers, I mean, even though the scoring is, is up, but those numbers could suggest that he could be a top 
10 player in the NBA. And so I, I'm, I'm just going to lean with the guy that I feel like is going to be my end of the clock, late game clutch shot maker. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I think it's a legit thing there. I think we've talked about this before. The player from this draft class you'd most like to see with Cade, you're Chet, right? Is that right? I'm Bancaro. Who do you want to I'm see Bancaro. with Cade? Bancaro. Bancaro with... Yeah, I want to see some inverted 4-1 pick and rolls. <laughs> I just want to see something really, really creative there. Um, yeah, I mean... That's a, he can fit with all four. All four of these guys would help uh, the four top guys we're talking about. I'm a Jabari. I'd love to see Jabari Smith with him. Uh, I, I think that uh, that would be just a really incredible sort of combination and have a guy who's a, just a, a lights out shot maker um, to put on the put on the floor um, with him. I also am intrigued with a Cade Jaden Ivy backcourt. Uh, I, I think there could be and and not having to put the pressure on Jaden Ivy. Um, to be the lead primary ball handler on a team. And I think we, we saw in the tournament uh, against St. Peter's like how uh, that was not, not Jaden Ivey's best performance. Let's just say that. And you can go over to NBABigBoard.com, subscribe to our newsletter. It's free, uh, by the way. Uh, so we have premium content on it, but uh, you know, you'll know you get those emails and podcasts and everything else there. Um, when we were breaking it down, yeah, of, of the guys that had the roughest week, uh, in the tournament, I'd say Jaden Ivey. Uh, there, was, there was not a lot of redeeming things there. But I re- really love a, an idea of Cade and Jaden Ivey together and taking that pressure off him being a lead ball handler. And then, you know, Chet, you know, Chet's Chet. And, and you could you could definitely see that there as well. So uh, hopefully Detroit gets one of those four guys. And I, I think it's going to be a huge improvement on, on Cade and, and where, he's, where he's able to go. They're probably still a lottery team one year later and so then you know they'll roll into 2023 draft i think still with another top five pick uh and i don't love that draft as much but you know with Wimbayana there like man you could you, you could have a monster team down the road yeah and i don't him. even think it's far-fetched to say that the pistons regardless of where they pick in the draft could select Jaden ivy um it slips my mind but the decision maker there isn't it the same person that drafted westbrook in Oklahoma City. Yeah, yeah, yeah Trey Weaver. So, I mean, yeah. has a track record of taking super athletic guards that you may wonder what is their position. And, and yeah, I mean, and, and you called it first. You called it back in, like, November. So you don't think it's a long shot that Ivy could be the number one pick or he could pass one of the, the big three freshmen. And I think if there is a team that could possibly – Take Ivy over Ben Carroll or Jabari or or Chet. Detroit might be that team. Yeah, uh, and they, they they need athleticism. I, I would actually say that Trey Weaver's track record in Detroit has not been towards getting the elite athletes. You know, Isaiah Stewart's not really that. Sadiq Bay's not that. Uh, Killian Hayes isn't that. Um, Cade's Cade's not that. Um, Luca Garza. You know, not, that 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 has not been their track record. But it's. Uh, I mean, they have some athletes on their roster, but not not in their sort of top tier level uh, of players. And so certainly adding adding a guy like Jaden Ivey or you know Jabari with, with Bagley helps. Now yeah, you're, yeah, it I mean, evens out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I, I, by the way, my pick for best player long term is actually going to be Evan Mobley. 
Um, I, I think that the offense is going to come around for him. I, I think that's that's clearly where he's still figuring things out. He's he struggled from three. He struggled to really strip, you know, split the floor a little bit. I think as he gets stronger physically, he's going to be more effective in the post than he is now. And I think the shot's going to come along. I, I really do. I, I think he's going to be one of these guys that's just going to be impossible to guard uh, defensively. But I think it's going to take another year or two. So I, I'm projecting down the road that he's going to continue to be a monster on defense. Um, but the offense is going to come around where he's going to be dangerous there as well, and and you know maybe he'll he'll lean into the, where we kind of thought Anthony Davis was was going to be with his career. I think injuries have have taken some of that shine off Anthony Davis, but you know this guy that's really a two way player that that can be dominant on both ends. So Evan Mobley's uh, my guy. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about the rest of the rookies, uh, and we'll, we'll kind of get a suss out suss out an order past the top three. Plus, we're going to talk about the, the final four, but I want to talk about our sponsor, NBA Top Shelf, officially licensed NFT of the NBA. Connect with a community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans. It's a natural progression of fantasy sports, a way to upgrade your experience as an NBA fan. This is the future of what being an NBA fan looks like. It's part trading cards. Every moment of Tot Shot or originates a pack. Unlike trading cards, there aren't really still images or cardboard. They're officially licensed NFTs, the greatest moments from NBA history. Akin to the stock market for the NBA, everyday millions of dollars worth of NFTs are traded back and forth for tens of thousands of NBA fans around the world. It's partly fantasy sports in that every night you have the ability to cap on the market if you're able to predict top performers. And it's kind of like an airline loyalty program for the NBA. We flew collectors out at Game 5 of the NBA Finals based on having Suns moments. They flew collectors out for the NBA Draft following their rookie moments. They got to have dinner uh, with first-round draft picks the night before they were drafted. Users also got to play basketball with Obi Toppin and Tyrese Halliburton. Investors include Michael Jordan and Kevin Durant, not to mention Will Smith. There's also a lot of NBA players in the community like Tyrese Halliburton, Cole Anthony, and Harrison Barnes. I hear people ask all the time, why would I buy a highlight when I can watch it on YouTube for free? I've asked that question. Uh, it's not just about watching a highlight. It's about having ownership stake in what's akin to a stock market for the NBA's greatest highlights. If you were to tell somebody in 1916 that your piece of cardboard with Babe Ruth's face on it would be worth millions of dollars every day, everyone would think you're crazy. This is the opening tip-off of a digital age, and the NBA's officially licensed NFT will be a big part of that digital age. Imagine when the NFTs are even mainstream on social media, you'll be able to flex that you own uh, around the world instantly. No binders, no shoeboxes. If you sign up for Top Shot today, the best way to start is by getting yourself a starter pack. You can pull an NFT of a superstar like LeBron or KD or star rookies like Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley for $9. And if you didn't pull your favorite player from the starter pack, you can snag moments from the marketplace that appeal to you. It's Top Shot. Sign up today. All right, Raphael, we talked about Cade, we talked about Evan Mobley, we talked about Scotty Barnes. Then there's another group of guys. And by the way, Orlando Magic fans are a little bit salty that Franz Wagner uh, isn't in this conversation. He had a great rookie season, maybe the most consistent of all the rookies just from, it just kind of started good and just stayed good throughout the um, entire year. You've got Josh Giddy. You've got a huge second half surge uh, from Jalen Green, and we'll talk about that in a second. His numbers in some ways are better than Cade Cunningham's if you really want to take post-All-Star break um, numbers. Uh, Josh Giddy, uh, we talked about as well. 
Um, who's your guy uh, after, after those three are off the board? I'd have to go with Green. I, I have to go with Green. I mean, I think that he... I mean, the same reason why everyone thought he deserved to be the number two pick. He just got off to a... I mean, just a rough start, even though I think a lot of people may have thought he was probably the most likely to win Rookie of the Year because you just knew he was going to get shots and just have total, total freedom. Um, but he, he's turned it up on as of late. I mean, he's in a, a situation where he has all the tools. And so I think if he doesn't get off to such a slow start, then you know he's in the conversation that we had in the first segment. Here's his numbers before the All-Star break. 14.6 points a game. That's okay. 3.1 rebounds a game. Eh. 2.3 assists a game. Okay. 2.2 turnovers a game. 1 to 1 assist turnover ratio. But this was the killer. 38% from the field, 31% from three. Really low uh, efficiency there. But listen to the numbers after the All-Star break. 19.7 points. 3.7 rebounds. That goes up. 3.3 assists. Increase an assist a game. 1.7 turnovers. His turnovers go down significantly. 47% from the field. So he, he improves his field goal percentage by almost 10%. And 38.3% um, from three post-All-Star break. Those are really good numbers. And if you line those up with Cade Cunningham's, Cade Cunningham, better rebounder, better assist, um, turnovers dramatically lower. Uh, for Jalen Green, and those shooting percentages significantly higher, especially from three. He's 10%, again, higher uh, from three uh, than Cade. So for all the Cade fans that are out there, like, my guy's on a bad team, and he has to shoulder the load, but look at the counting stats and the numbers that he's put up. Well, then Jalen Green is doing it and doing it more efficient, efficiently than Cade, uh, Cade Cunningham post-All-Star break. And, and I'm really happy for him. I, I think we both really like Jalen Green coming out. I was totally cool with the Rockets taking him at two. I, I personally would have taken Evan Mobley and and uh, Scotty Barnes ahead, but I, I thought Jalen Green was in that mix. And uh, it were, it's reminiscent to me of Anthony Edwards last year starting off uh, his rookie season really rocky and then really coming on uh, towards the end of the season, and then he's been able to translate that into a really excellent uh, sophomore season. All right, so you've got Jalen Green, then then who? You've got Josh Giddy, you've got Franz Wagner. Um, I left out a guy, by the way, that made my top five for Rookie of the Year, Herb, Herbert Jones out of New Orleans, which when you go to the advanced stats, uh, they actually say this guy should be Rookie of the Year. Um, actually, two of the three big ones that I go with, uh, Darko and and Raptor and LeBron, two of those three actually had Herbert Jones. He's also one of only five rookies that's played over 2,000 minutes. So he's played a lot of minutes uh, on this New Orleans team. Defense definitely ahead of the offense um, this year. Uh, and, and he should be in consideration as well. So um, who would you take of the, that group? Oh, man. I think I'm I'm just not a big fan of the situation in Orlando. <laughs> I think it could totally change for, for Wagner next year because they're you're assuming they're going to bring Isaac back and then another top pick. So I'm going to go with Giddy. I think he's going to have the best I, mean, I think he's in the best position to to succeed there. But actually, you know what? You know, I'm, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to throw a wild card for you. I'm going to go with Alperin Shingun. Okay, who did not make my top 10, by the way, this year. 
Um, but certainly there are fans who think that he is going to be special down the road. Why Shingun? I mean, well, one, I think that his his best attribute on offense is he's a low post scorer. Now, of course, you know, in today's NBA, you're not going to get a lot of post touches. But he's playing on a team where he doesn't have anyone that is looking to get him the ball. He's had to kind of create his own offense at the five. Like I've seen plays where he got the rebound and had to push it up the court himself. I think the shooting is going to come along. I think the passing is going to come along. I know um, based off some analytic formula last year, he was considered the top prospect. And I mean, I've seen Rocket fans complaining that he should be starting and, and they don't like the way that he's being used. And I just think that once he puts it all together, he's going to end up outperforming his, his, his draft position. Okay. He did not make my top 10 for rookie of the year, but he would definitely be in my top 10 if I was thinking about long-term who are going to be the top prospects um, in the draft. Uh, so mine went four Franz Wagner for rookie of the year, five Herbert Jones, uh, Jalen Green sixth, Josh Giddy seventh, and Giddy Giddy probably would have been a few spots higher, but he, you know he had that hip injury ends up only playing fifty four um, games uh, this year. I, I want to end with two sleeper guys that I didn't expect to be have big years. One was Jonathan Kaminga. I, I didn't think he'd see anything but garbage time in Golden State. Injuries changed that um, for them, but also sometimes his play. He was really good in the limited minutes that they put him out there. And again, he's a guy that when you look at, okay, he 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 doesn't get a lot of minutes, um, but when you look at his per thirty six numbers, nineteen point four points, seven point five um, rebounds a game for the Warriors. Uh, that's that's really impressive. I, I he's. He's a guy that I, I think is is going to keep getting better and better. Um, I've really liked him. But I want to talk about Bones Highland. Not only does he have the greatest name of anybody in this draft class, but here are his post-All-Star numbers, Raphael, per 36 minutes. He's a, he comes off the bench. He's kind of a six-man um, for the Nuggets. So I'm going to expand it out to 36 minutes, which is about what Scotty Barnes and, and Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley get every night. 22.6 points a game, five rebounds a game, 6.8 assists a game, 2.2 turnover. So he's got a, like a three to one assist to turnover ratio. He's shooting 48.1% from the field and 46.5% from three. That's insane. That's of the year. Uh, the volume <laughs> is insane. And the efficiency. Oh, that's, that's like one of the great rookie of all time. Uh, the efficiency of the year. Now that's post all-star. Um, and it is adjusted to uh, a per 36 minutes to kind of put him on par. If he was getting the same minutes, he doesn't get those. Um, he has the makings of a guy who's going to be, to me, like a Lou Williams or Jordan Clarkson. Or, uh, you know, he. I, I think he's going to be one of the great, like, sixth men uh, of the year go, going down going down the road and you know that's not as sexy as some of these other guys who are thinking about in different roles but th those are incredible yeah, and he's in like the perfect situation I think if he goes to the wrong team they may try to turn him into like a point or you know trying to you know put him into a box he's in a situation with Denver where he's on the court with Jokic he's getting points by just cutting running the floor doesn't have to have the responsibility of setting guys up but what's impressive to me is that he's putting up these numbers on a team that is competing. They're, and, and, you know, he, they're, they're trying to win every single game. It's not a situation where, like I said earlier, you know, guys get an uptick in their numbers 
when teams start shutting guys down or their teams are just kind of, you know, play themselves into a higher draft pick. He's doing this on a team that is competing, and, and that's been impressive to me. Absolutely. All right. It's time to pivot to the 2022 NBA Draft Final Four this weekend, Duke, North Carolina, Villanova versus Kansas. Before we dive into that, let's talk about our sponsor, Built Bar, and their new product, Puffs. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with incredible flavors like yummy cinnamony, churro, coconut, marshmallow, banana cream pie, so good. They're going to be your new favorite. All Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included, 100% real chocolate, low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these, they are better. Typical candy bar can be anywhere between two to 300 calories. Go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart and you'll be blown away. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Compare that with a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate, cookies, and cream. They're all delicious. They taste great. They're delicious and they're good for you. And Built Bar, they're all about taste. They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. I, I feel like that Built.com ad's going to be in my brain for like the rest of my life. I'm going to be able to recite that. Um, all the time, and I'm, I'm going to be a lifelong Bill Bar fan. I think so too. Uh, I really <laughs> love him. Okay, let's pivot to the final four. The, the drama of this Duke-North Carolina game, first of all, North Carolina goes in to, to, to Mike Krzyzewski's final home game and wipes the floor uh, with Duke, uh, wins wins the game there. <laughs> Coach K comes out afterward to address the audience, and he's like, he's still like angry, says this is unacceptable. The crowd's like, I mean, it, it was a really awkward situation. If you're a North Carolina fan, you absolutely loved it. Like, I mean, you really, really stuck it to Duke. All right, man. I mean, the stakes of this game are, are so high um, right now. Duke won the first game in North Carolina. North Carolina wins the second game at Duke. Um, the drama here, you know, any game is the last game for Coach K. Uh, you know, North Carolina can stick it to Duke fans again and, and knock him out of the tournament just one game away from the championship game. Or Duke can redeem itself here, um, come back, outplay North Carolina. You know, to me, the, from the talent standpoint, this is Duke all the way. Uh, they, they should be able to handle North Carolina. Um, but their talent is young. And it's been inconsistent. Um, they've struggled at times with lead guard play. Jay Roach is actually a guy who we haven't really talked much about as being a, a 
draft prospect uh, has really started to steady them, I think, uh, as as their point guard and has, has been one of their most important players. Your favorite guy in the draft is going to be there, and Paolo Boncaro. Um, he's going to match up against Armando Baycott, um, who is a beast on the boards and does you know some important things, uh, or Brady Manick uh, as well, who's outstretching the floor um, for North Carolina. First of all, who wins this game? Uh, and and second of all, who has the most riding on their draft stock here? Man, you got me on the hot seat twice today. <laughs> I have to pick a winner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You oh pick man, a I mean, you know, on paper it's easy to say Duke, and then on, on one hand you're like, does Coach K lose to a rookie head coach with less talent? I mean, just thinking about that just makes this storyline even more. I mean, just one one of the craziest storylines that that I can remember. I'm going to go with Duke, but man, this is going to be a a great game. And um, who has the most? What was the question? Who has the most to gain? Yeah, yeah. Who 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 are you watching from a draft perspective that could help him help themselves? Man, I, you know, honestly, I feel like I mean, I can go with five different different answers. I mean, I think Ben Carroll is has solidified himself at the very very worst, the top four pick. But, I mean, against Baycott, that may take away some of his post-play, right? And then, you know, let's say he's uh, defending Manic and he's just getting beat, you know, on leaving him open because Manic had threes in, in, in the last game. That could possibly impact. I think, like, even for A.J. Griffin, even though I think that medicals are going to play the, the – you know the biggest impact on where he goes, but if his if he's not shooting well, which he shot forty five percent from three all season, so the chances of him not shooting well from three are, are 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 slim. But if he's attacking the rim like he did in the Arkansas game, I think that could help him. Now, as far as Mark Williams, he has. I mean, you can make a case and say he's been their most impactful player. If, if not him, then then maybe Roach. I think. As far as like the two guys that may have the most riding on this from a draft perspective are the two point guards, Caleb Love and and Roach. I mean, Roach hasn't been on anybody's I shouldn't say anybody's. He hasn't been considered a top sixty guy on most boards, but he's kind of played himself into that position now. He's made clutch plays. He's kind of steadied the offense. A you know, good game or two could put him in that range. While I think if Caleb Love is he can go for 30 or he can go for like 6 of 17. I think in the Baylor game, he was only one for six. He could put himself in position to be a high second round pick or he can have one of those off games and, you know, make it a, a tough decision for him to choose. Does he stay in the draft or, or, or go back? And I think which makes this even more interesting is that these are like two, like, obviously blue blood schools, two of the most recognizable schools. With this whole NIL situation, it's almost safer to return to school because you can make more money returning to school than you would if you're not a lock to go in the first round. And that's why I think like for Love and Roach, this performance, this game could like really really be big for them as far as like what choice they make in the next few weeks yeah i think those are the two guys jay roach and caleb love that like have the most to gain out of a out of a, having a really outstanding final four performance caleb love 
you know, our listeners remember coming into from his high school year into the 2020 uh, or the 2021 NBA draft was considered a first round pick, was considered maybe, you know, the best point guard um, in his class, really, really struggled his efficiency his freshman year, drops out of really consideration being drafted at all, has been definitely better this year, um, all, all year, uh, definitely more consistent, but but had a hard time breaking through. That 30-point game uh, was was a big deal, I think, for him, uh, where he really carried North Carolina um, in the tournament. If he has a big game against Duke, uh, I could see him, especially in a, what's a weak point guard class, um, catapulting himself up because there's there's enough to like about Caleb Love uh, if you think he can do it consistently um, to get him up up there and like you said maybe like early second round maybe even sort of late first round uh, vice versa if he has an, a, a bad Caleb Love game and he's certainly capable of doing that uh, he he might be right back where he started with like he's he's not even going to probably get sniffs in the second round um, which is yeah, which is yeah, and, and Jay Roach you know a guy that we weren't talking about uh, very much uh, and, and he's small he's a small guard which you know always sort of hurts his his draft prospect a little bit but a, a big tournament we could have a weird six Duke guys uh, get getting getting drafted and you know with Coach K leaving you know they may all just decide it's time to to, to clean the slate and, and and get out of there let's pivot for a second to Kansas Villanova uh, Kansas has one, I think, clear first round guy uh, in Ochai Obaji, uh, a guy who actually started red hot his senior year, has actually cooled off in February and March significantly. Um, he does come back uh, and in the Elite Eight and has a pretty good game um, for Kansas with 18 points, starts hitting, hitting some threes. But before that, it, it was a disastrous, disastrous March for him, especially shooting the basketball. Um, You've got Christian Brown, uh, you know Jalen Wilson a little bit. Remy Martin has actually come on really big for them as well, though he's older, and I'm not really sure what kind of draft prospect he is. Colin Gillespie is probably, uh, you know, Villanova's, you know, one draft prospect, the guy that, you know, maybe like Peyton Pritchard just ends up, uh, you know, as a as a four year senior with toughness and you know the ability to shoot the basketball ends up, you know, getting drafted somewhere. Um, who 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 who's going to win Kansas Villanova and the draft prospect you're you think has the most at stake there going to go with Villanova and I'd say who has the most at stake wow. is I mean it's hard to go it's, you're oh, me. I forgot all about that and you know it's funny I'm, I'm having okay. a it's dinner fine. with with Keith Langford another Kansas alum so I'm sure he's going to ask me this question in in a couple hours <laughs> so <laughs> Rafael Barlow will no longer be taking over the NBA Big Board podcast. Um, executive decisions just been made. He made the wrong choice in the Kansas uh, Villanova. I, I um, forgot all about the, your 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 ties to oh, to Kansas. Killing uh, me. Um, yeah, just Villanova's. I mean, they're not the sexiest team. Every year, all their prospects seem to have the same characteristics. Like just this toughness and. and um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Villanova here. I think um, <laughs> the prospect that that has the most to gain, and man, I'm, I'm going back and forth in my mind between is it is it Agbaji or is it Brown? I mean, I think if Agbaji has like a, a an off shooting night, then man, I think for whatever reasons, even though he has over a hundred something games of film, I just think he's the one guy his lasting impression could actually help or, or hurt him. And I think Brown has 
a lot to gain. I think if he plays well, makes some athletic plays, then he's going to put himself in position to possibly be a first-round pick. But at the end of the day, I just think Remy Martin is going to lead Kansas in scoring. I, I uh, yeah, it's and and for good and for bad, you know. There's good Remy Martin, there's bad Remy Martin, and uh, look, I'm scared as a Kansas fan uh, for Villanova. Of course, I'm going to pick Kansas uh, to win it, and then Kansas to beat Coach K. Um, you know, in the final, that would that would make me um, really happy, uh, just as a Jayhawks fan. Uh, but I, I, you know, the Abadji thing's always been interesting to me because he's a senior. Uh, I think the bar is higher. He certainly played the part of a of a mid to maybe even late lottery first round pick the first half of the season. I, I understand the arguments there, um, though he didn't look anything like that as a freshman, sophomore, or junior, which is always always a bit scary for me, right? Like when guys like get it their senior year. Um, this wasn't like this wasn't like Corey Kispert where he was really good. It just like people didn't really start seriously taking him as a draft prospect until his senior year. Like, you know, Abaji wasn't that good uh, in, until this year. And then you kind of see him in February and March, and he looks much more like the old Abaji that we're used to sort of right seeing in Kansas. Right after I wrote and, the article, uh, too. Right after I wrote right the after, article. Right after, you, right after you were <laughs> yeah, his hype man. The Desmond uh, it, it, so I do think there's something to that there if he can't sustain it. So I, I do think he needs a strong tournament. Christian Brown, the mixed opinions about whether he's a first-round, second-round pick. So definitely a guy who can help. I also think Jalen Wilson... Um, just, you know, frankly, as a guy here who I actually think coming into the season, scouts saw him as the best pro prospect uh, on the Jayhawks. And, you know, he had some off the court challenges right at the beginning of uh, of that of uh, that season, which I think threw him off a little bit. He's been much better um, in the second half of the season for him. And I could I could see him playing a role as well. Uh, so I've got Kansas over Duke in the final. Uh, who wins Duke Villanova? Because that's uh, your prediction, I guess, is Duke Villanova. I'm going to go with Duke. I'm, I'm uh, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go with Duke here. Going to give Coach K the Hollywood storybook ending, where he wins the national championship. He has six players drafted, and he gets the number one pick in the draft in his his last year. Speaking of storybook endings, the last next podcast will be my last podcast over NBA Big Board. Rafael Barlow will be taking over the podcast. A lot of cool announcements we'll have on that about what's going to happen with the podcast, the frequency you're going to it's going to you're going to get more Big Board podcasts uh, coming up and lots of cool guests uh, coming on for him. And uh, last week writing for the NBA Big Board newsletter, uh, which I hope you go over and subscribe. It's free to subscribe to anybody, and Rafael is going to be taking that over. Uh, and we'll wrap up the final four and wrap up draft thoughts as well as I'll talk about some go down memory lane with some of my favorite um, draft memories um, all next week. So I hope uh, turn in uh, like this is going to be the season finale, uh, if you will, for me, but not the finale of the NBA Big Board podcast and newsletter. Lots of great stuff to come from Raphael. So look forward to um, watching the games this weekend and then coming back and, and, and wrapping things up uh, with you, Raphael. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it, but on the other hand, it still hasn't hit me like we're we're, we're wrapping it up to to where you know it's your last podcast. I'm I'm looking really looking forward to just hearing some of your your stories, and even, it's even st- stories that I've been wanting to ask you just offline, and and you know we've been so busy, but I'm looking forward to to hearing them, and I'm I'm gonna be tuned in like like a fan, so um, looking forward to that, but. Kind of disappointed to see you go. All right. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We'll see you next week. Aloha. Aloha.